Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat episode 140. Oh my word, 140. That is absolutely nuts. Um, yes, so folks, welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat that's now on New Zealand Sports Radio. Now, obviously, the uh, Hash Rugby Chat has been going for, what, that must be like three years now. Three, wow. Oh, dear me. That's uh, that's amazing. I think I kicked it off during the Lions Tour, um, doing them as uh, live shows like this. So, wow, that's um, that's quite a few shows, isn't it, Stephen and John? Okay, I'll go. I'll go first because uh, John's John's eating. Quite, yeah, because he's busy eating. Um, no, I, I think can't. I probably, I think I can recall doing the first show with you, Paul. Would have been uh, not probably a couple of weeks after Auckland won the Mitre Ten Cup back in two thousand and eighteen. If I'm if I stand to be corrected, so that would have been a good. What are we now? Went to the fifth month, so probably about a good sixteen or seventeen months or so. So, given that you've already basically done about another a year and a, and a bit since then now that's pretty amazing you've done very very well and as I always say it's a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM I normally say but part of New Zealand, NZ Sport Radio even better uh, if you, you finished eating John would you like to join us now I was ready to go whenever mate I'm born born ready <laughs> but you know Steve talks so much I gotta let him Get some of it out first. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't want you spitting food all over the camera lens. I mean, that would just look, look disgusting. Um, the, special effects. Special effects, exactly. So on the show tonight, folks, we're going to be talking predominantly about New Zealand rugby. In fact, probably exclusively about New Zealand rugby. Some of the things we'll be talking about, um, we'll have a look at the old dollar numbers. Um, obviously, also uh, have a chat about their uh, discussions they're having around redundancy. Uh, there's some uh, good Super Rugby news for us to chat about as well. Um, we might even talk about Super Rugby restructuring as well if we have time. Uh, so that's all the kind of stuff that is coming up on the show. Um, John and I, though, we we uh, broadcast an interview we did a couple of days ago, which was an absolute cracker um, with Dean Kenny earlier, uh, the uh, ex All Black, or the or, yeah, he's an, he's an All Black. You're, you're always an All Black, aren't you? You're never an ex All Black. Um, but uh, that was a, that was a uh, that was a fun entry, wasn't it, John? Yeah, it was. He's a real fun guy, Dean, and he's got some great stories, as many rugby players from that era do. I uh, really enjoyed our time together. Um, so yes, do go back and listen to that. That's on the Long Talk. Um, uh, also, that's also available as a podcast as well. So if you can either watch us on the Facebook page. Um, or uh, please do go like that and share the video, yeah. obviously. Um, or you can listen to us as a podcast on iHeartRadio, which is Stephen's favourite podcast, iTunes um, or Spotify uh, as well. It's such a New Zealand sport radio. And then um, John is doing a howl. How are you doing, sir, John? Howl, <laughs> yes. How, I'd, I wanted to say um, to Dean gave some really great insights into rugby and the rugby environment in the 1980s in New Zealand. 
both around the 1981 demo tour because he made his debut for Otago as a youngster in that uh, 81 uh, season and he played against the Springboks. He also gave some great stories around uh, what the turmoil in New Zealand rugby later in that era around 86, the Cavaliers tour, the Rebel tour to South Africa and also some very interesting insights into the inside of Buck Shelford's uh, scrotum. The, which he saw from close up in the change room in Nantes. So, um, yeah, if uh, if you want to if you want to find out what will make a hardened rugby player run to the bathroom uh, uh, to throw up, yeah, that's uh, getting wrecked by the French pack. That'll do it. Well, thank you, John. I'm sure that's the kind of thing that will really make people uh, now go away and, uh, and and listen to it over their breakfast. Absolutely, tomorrow. riveting, riveting. Um, and then also hoping to have a chat with Rennie Ranger this week as well. So look out for that one as well. So that's, that's one of the other rugby long talks um, that is coming up. So um, let's have a look at some uh, so, some dollar numbers, folks. In uh, last year, New Zealand rugby had a re- revenue of 187 million Um but even with those numbers, they obviously they spent a lot of money, which meant that their cash reserves from 2010, uh, they were at 88.9 million. Um, and then last year, they, they dropped slightly to 86.7 million. Um, is is that the kind of numbers that we, that, I mean, Stephen, what do you think about that, about how they've, um, how the reserves have actually gone down over the last decade? Well, the... First, the first question I ask myself is, do they have an accountant? For starters, you know, is somebody watching the incoming and, and the outgoing that comes out of the, the, the New Zealand Rugby Union? Because it, it just seems to me some of that expenditure seems a bit uh, way over the top. You know, we spoke, and I remember we had Mark Watson on a couple of weeks ago, and he spoke about the exorbitant, exorbitant amount of players that they uh, took away to Japan, I think 51 players or so. That wouldn't have been a cheap exercise, so... Yeah, it's to be honest, it's it's probably nothing that we don't already know, which has pretty much come out in the press in recent times. The ninety million dollars that they mentioned there, so far as wages, does that include the players? No. Well, then, okay, that's that's the big question. I mean, that really is the big question. If they are allocating money. And you can see that in, in their figures separately to the various unions, then uh, you can't be saying that some of those wages are subsidizing whatever it may be, a development development officer or whatever ever it is in the various unions. So that's wages purely at the head office and $90 million in, head, in wages at the head office. No wonder so many people are being laid off. Well, let's let's just run through um, some of that then, uh, as to what that, that. So, you, you, you've jumped onto another number, John, um, which is that yeah, the the, the ninety four million dollars is pl- spent in employee benefits. Now, what will that include? That will obviously include the head office people, the CEO, the board, if they get paid. Mm-hmm. I assume, assume the board get paid, um, etc. Get paid. It will also include the All Blacks um, coaching staff. Yeah, um, and it will also include the super rugby coaching staff that are paid for by Rugby New Zealand. Ah, so, okay. so Rugby New Zealand do pay for two super rugby coaches, uh, two coaches per super rugby franchise. Okay. Mm. And then the other coaches have to be paid for by the rugby fran- by, by the franchise itself. So, um, mm. so it will include all those people. Um, as you say, it does not include the 33 million that was given out to the provinces or to, um, mm. Uh, 5.3 million to the Heartland Championship um, provinces. Um, and what, there are 14 Heartland Championship provinces? Stephen, is that right? Yep. Um, I'm sorry, 14... to, uh, th- uh, 13. 27 unions in total. 13. Okay, so 13. Uh, that's a th- So 13 unions get, or 13 provinces get 5.3 million. And the other 14. Spread provinces... among them. Spread, Spread among, among them. Yes. Yeah. In total, yeah. So 13 get 5.3. The other 14 get 27.9. So the Mice 10 Cup provinces get a, get some um, clearly a, a, a lot more money than the um, uh, than the Highland Championships, which gives you an idea that uh, if if you think that the other unions 
that 5.3 million essentially all goes on community rugby, right? Uh, there's a small amount that will go on to on the actual Heartland Championship, but that's that's amateur. So the minor 10 cup um, provinces, if you think that um, they get 27.9 million, so approximately 22.6 or 22.5 million is the mm-hmm. price of minor 10 cup rugby. Um, well, or, it's... Well, my 10 plus Farrah Palmer Cup. The Farrah Palmer Cup costs very little. Mm. But of course, you know, they use that money not only in staging the Mitre 10 Cup, they also use that money in their budgets for whatever developmental offices and etc. So they are relying on that input from the National Union together with their gate takings and uh, whatever subs they receive from the clubs. So they're portion of the club's subs to do the developmental work and to pay something towards referees or at least covering referees costs for those who get a bit of petrol money all that kind of thing so it's not a huge amount of money no it's not um but it's it's kind of interesting isn't it but basically something like about 10 or 11 million is how much it costs to run community rugby in new zealand that's actually a really, really cheap number, relatively speaking. Yeah. In, um, in terms of a, Paul, I was going to say, in terms of a, a, a return and investment, it's actually not too bad when you mm, consider right. some of the players that mm. come come out of come out of minor team cup and become very, very good professional rugby players. I oh no, this is this is basically my ten cup. My ten cup is obviously on top of that. Oh, I'm okay. taking, the, the everything except Super Rugby and my ten cup rugby. Costs approximately eleven million. Yeah, that's, that's, so, even that's a good return return investment. Yeah, you know, for uh, Steve will be able to talk far more about this than than I will even. Even though I have uh, played club rugby at uh, president's rugby level in the last few years, and uh, and would have played again this year if we hadn't been locked down, and my sons have my uh, sons have played school and club rugby. That's the, the rugby for those of you who are not part of of New Zealand or don't live in New Zealand. Rugby is such a huge part of New Zealand culture, especially in more rural areas. So there are a lot of rugby clubs, um, and there are a lot. There's a lot of community involvement, and that's possibly why that that uh, figure is low because there's huge. There's a huge culture of volunteerism when it comes to involvement in your local rugby club. Absolutely. Now, John, I would just like to point out here that you just said there that if Stephen Stephen could comment more. Now, and you're forgetting here that I do play uh, social touch on a Wednesday uh, with 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 with. I'm with so the, sorry. Don't don't think I'm not involved in the club scene. Jeez, uh, here you are making I'm, it sound like there's that, that my, social, wanna, my, my social touch doesn't count. I just want to warn you that bunch of old buggers that you play with is what got me into playing Prezi's rugby. I went down to that same club, was invited down there for, to that same practice, and as we were walking off on the first evening, the uh, manager for the Prezi's rugby sidled up to me and said, uh, what are you doing on Friday evening? Right? So just beware. No, that's fine. Cause, I mean, I've, I've been going for – well, I was going for – until COVID-19 obviously stopped it, I was going for, 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 for like two or three months – and no one sidled up to me, which shows you the level of rugby that I play at. Um, that they, they were like, God, geez, we don't even want him in. Yeah, he's not even good for presidential rugby. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul, I was going to say, um, just on what John was, was commenting about, you know, it's it, it's it's pretty much ingrained in everybody. Like, I'm fortunate enough just to live across the road from Kelston Boys High School. And you could basically practically wake up first thing in the morning on a Saturday morning Go and watch the the juniors play at eight nine o'clock in the morning. Then your mm. then your age group uh, school teams right through mm. to to first fifteen in the afternoon mm. without without basically mm. having to, to to travel travel too far. Mm. And it's the same with the, any rugby club that's around. I know we've been talking about the the professional game and how all excited we are that it's coming back on June thirteen. But I'm mm. I'm just waiting to hear when club and community rugby. Is going to start again. That's what I'm, because those are you know those are the blokes you can I can run into John on the sideline, and we can have a good matter about what we're seeing. Talk about players, talk about 
anything, you know, basically anything else in, mm. but our normal life, uh, you know, and the rugby's just mm. there in front of us. I don't know with mm. with super rugby or professional rugby, yeah, you go there as a spectator, you watch, you don't really say a heck of a lot to the person mm. be, beside you, you know, unless you, you, unless you mm. all feel that excitement, but I think there's something really mm. unique about mm. uh, community rugby, and I, I can't wait till it, mm. till it comes back. I'm, I'm probably more excited about that than I am Super Rugby. Yeah, Charlie has made a great uh, comment about uh, how many cake stalls, uh, sausage sizzles, which in New Zealand is a selling of a particular style of, uh, what would you call it, like a hot dog, and uh, <laughs> raising money. Well, I'm not trying to go into too much detail. If I describe that pork banger wrapped in a, a piece of white bread, people won't ever come to New Zealand for a holiday. Um, <laughs> so, well, you could have got, uh, like, like gourmet. You could, like, yeah, but the, we have this style of cooking. That's, um... <laughs> Sorry, go Yeah, I was trying to be deliberately vague. Yeah. Uh, but Charlie raises a great point that a lot of money is raised by the, the families, the parents, the community, uh, pe uh, fathers, volunteers, as, as managers, as coaches. Uh, there's a huge uh, environment of parents involved in coaching, even in school sports, which is was very unusual for me when I came here from South Africa, where teachers are trained and taught uh, at, when they study how to coach various sports, etc. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's probably what keeps that value down is how much involvement there is in the community. And we did say, remember, Steve, when we said if uh, some time back. Uh, we spoke about what you can do for rugby in New Zealand. Get involved with your club before buying a ticket. And I'm, I'm sorry, this is quite brutal towards the professionals, but this is really the most important thing you can do is to go down and instead of buying a ticket to a what what will be the new Super Rugby uh, franchise, go down and support your local club. Go down and buy um, these gourmet uh, uh, sausages and. Uh, <laughs> And go buy um, the, uh, go buy a cake, um, you know. Go support. Go go take your mates down to the local rugby club uh, for a drink rather than um, you know somewhere else. But pour money into the local clubs because they are keeping the the real heart of the game alive. Yeah, interesting what now, you say. That should... talk about in in there that, that John mentions. Um, now we've got an interview coming up uh, on the long talk with um, with David Gibson. Uh, in um, probably sometime next week. Now, one of the things that him and I discussed was that was it was about the um, the oh, he, sorry he's the CEO of Northland oh, sorry North Harbour um, Rugby, which has obviously got a uh, a, a big uh, South African expat population um, north of the bridge there. Mm. Um, and so I mentioned to him was look maybe you need to set up the um, mm. a bit like you have London Irish and you have um, uh, London Welsh over in the UK that they, they need to have. Um, Harbour Harbour Box mm. as a rugby club, um, and he he and um, mm. he kind of laughed at the idea. But he said, "Look, that actually the, the South African community have been very much happy to get engaged and have been very uh, and helping out with the club. So mm. whilst they might not come from a come from a culture of doing that back home, um, over here they're, they're more than happy. They 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 they're, they're some of the first um, to get on that bright um, to to do that sausage sizzle. Mm. Probably at the time crying." Behind the scenes, going the quality of the, of the sausages, but apart from that, um, they have been very, uh, very much getting involved. <laughs> now, before I want to get into the provincial rugby, I do, there are some more numbers I want to actually have a look at because there's some particular numbers that, to me that jump out that, that look really, really um, strange. So this isn't a strange. So, so the, the the total income in 2019 was 187 million dollars. Um, uh, now. We, John, you're asking about player wages earlier. So for the Super Rugby, um, sorry for the, the yeah, Super Rugby, uh, and the um, uh, the All Blacks um, or player wages. Actually, I think it might might go down to my tank up as well. But thirty six point five percent of player revenue generated um, um, generated uh, gets given to to them. Player generated revenue. Sorry. Um, now let's be honest. Of that 187, 187 million pretty much all of it's going to be player generated to a greater or lesser degree. So they're looking at about a third of that, which is what, 
60 million is probably around 60 million is is allocated to player salaries uh, just to give you an idea we've said that 33 okay. million goes to the uh goes to the provinces so that gets us to 93 million and then we have that 94 million on employee benefits so pretty much half mm. which gets you up to about 188 million which is pretty much break even mm. so, so that, that that's that's approximately how the numbers mm. break down 33 million to to um to provinces 60 million ish um on player wages and 94 million ish on uh employee mm. benefits is kind of how mm. the, the the cash breaks down so mm. if you're mckenzie coming in going okay how do we because we've already said that the cash reserves are dropping over the last de- over the last decade they brought mckenzie in so you've got two choices right either revenue goes up or costs mm. go down and if you're looking at that mm. the, the, the the only place where there's you can either get rid of approximately what as we said uh 22 million ish um because that's how much minor 10 cup costs you can cut that or it's that 94 million that has to be cut isn't it that's the only place where there really mm. is space to trim mm. um now we'll come on to that in a so, second because there's been, there's, there's, there's been a another article about redundancies in new zealand rugby um but so that that total is 187 million income, of which, to give you an idea as to where that comes from, 73 percent ish comes from sponsorship and, li- uh, and licensing, um, and then another 57.4 million comes from broadcast, which leaves you with another 57 million from somewhere else, which I'm guessing is gate receipts, um, hospitality, that kind of stuff. Um, so you and I work with now. They're suggesting that, they, that there'll be a drop in a hundred of up to 120 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. 120 million. No, so, so 50, 50, 57 million in gate receipts. Yep, I get that goes. Broadcast 54.57.4 million. Surely that doesn't all go. They've got to keep some of that, um, or, or maybe it does if there's no rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that would make up what 114 mm-hmm. million. And I guess okay, that that kind of then makes sense. Then you got 90, uh, 73 million from sponsorship, which you get anyway, whether you play or not. Um, in the short term, in the long term, obviously you would you you lose it, but in the short term, you do. So I guess that's that's how that 120 million breaks up. But that seemed to me quite high. Go on, Steve. Go on, go on, John. Sorry. I just wanted to say you take that 94 million uh, yeah. uh, for salaries and. And, and compare that to 60-odd million for the players. Yeah. And let's just say, Stephen, uh, help me out here. Let's just say uh, the all-black coach gets paid, what, $800,000 a year? Yeah. A million? What would you, yeah. what, what would, what would be a, what would be a, a large, a figure on the large size, side, Stephen? Oh, pretty pretty much where you are in that ballpark region. I think anything over a half a okay. mil, anything anything over a half a okay. mil, you're, you're sort of, you know, that's that's more of your your, your top end players, and and of course, what happens when those overseas contracts okay. are put in these front in front of these guys? Yeah. Then then you've got your issues, and New Zealand Rugby yeah. Union can't can't pitch up with any yeah. more cash. Hence okay. hence the, the the deals they come in with with sabbaticals and and okay. whatnot. I think. Uh, what I would like to know, but, but I'm we're, talking we're, about the coach, Stephen. I'm oh. talking about the coach, the the All Black coach. Would you expect the All Black coach, if you consider him as a top executive, right? That might oh. be working in Auckland. Where, let's say, let's say it's eight hundred thousand to a million. Would that be realistic? Oh, it'll it it definitely it'd be it'd be oh you know if you look at it maybe a big FMG. Uh, company, I don't know, like Griffins or somebody like yeah. that. I, I would imagine a CEO of that company would be yeah. on, at a guess, two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand a year, and then with bonuses on top of that. So, I think for our for our particular market, um, I think coach, mm-hmm. what coaches okay. get paid is, is, is a bit oh, sorry, no, Steve, Stephen, you, 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 you're, you're way way down there. Um, I mean. For example, I, I was contracting a couple of years ago, and I, I earned two hundred thousand as a as, 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 as an IC project manager. So, um, 
they're kind of um a, but like that's a on contract right so you've got increased risk um but so it, you've got increased risk there yeah oh, true exactly but, but and, so, the, and, the ceos and so so let's just say gentlemen i don't want to be caught up i don't want to be caught up in the in the too much in the detail i just want to say this let's say let's say just for ease of maths let's say the all black coach gets paid a million dollars just say right and let's say he has how many staff? 15 staff full-time that work for him between physios, assistant coaches, scrum uh, experts, uh, masseuse, baggage handlers, blah, 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 right? Let's say they, they, he's got 15 staff and let's say they all earn uh, – let's be, let's be exorbitant. Let's say they all earn 200000 That's That's $1 million for him and $3 million for them. Right, so that's only four million, and let's say the entire, or let's say all the coaching staff uh, for all the rugby unions, all the the uh, the super rugby unions, all get paid the same. So four million times five—that's twenty-four million, right? So we've got four million for the all black coaching staff, twenty million five times four, twenty million. So that's twenty-four. Let's make it twenty-five million. Out of, if you take that away from 94 million, you're going to wind up with $69 million. This, that means there's $9 million being paid to the staff at the headquarters more than it's being paid to the players. And how many players are there throughout New Zealand? I mean, how many professional players at super rugby level and all black level are being contracted? And you, yeah. you talk about paying more money to the people in the head office and what's being paid there? How can that be? So yeah, so I mean, if we look at if we look at this kind of um, those sort of numbers, so you're looking at what Super Rugby, uh, what five provinces, about thirty odd players each, right, or thirty three ish. So you're looking about 150, 160 players um, at Super Rugby level. Um, the so if we say, as you say, if we say around about like there's what twenty or thirty people who are uh, who are coaches in that number. For ninety-four million, uh, New Zealand rugby apparently has 180, 180 people full-time staff. So that means there's about one hundred and fifty full-time staff. So basically, there's one member of staff per player. Is kind of how it is 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 kind of how how that's uh, it's just looking ridiculous. At the um, which which explains it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, of those one hundred and eighty. Uh, according to reports, ninety or half of them are going to be met, are, are basically at um, at risk of redundancy now. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, which uh, a couple of things here. Now, these are real life people, okay, and it's sad that these real life people will be losing their jobs. Uh, we 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 had it. We had a discussion um, a couple of weeks ago. Where we said, should we actually let rugby burn and rebuild it? Uh, and we said no because of the people cost, right? The personal cost fee will just be will just be horrific. So look, this is going to be really bad and really horrific for those ninety people. Okay, of the remaining ninety, some are going to have to reapply for their jobs as well. Um, so, um, but, but 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 approximately the ninety people are going to lose their jobs, which is sad. But if we look at it from the from a business point of view rather than from a personal point of view, um, which is going to sound cold-hearted, and I know it's going to upset some people. But from a business point of view, we've talked about previously that New Zealand rugby is stuck in its ways, especially from a media point of view, um, is overprotective uh, and has got too many people kind of guarding the All Blacks, as it were. This might be, a chance for a refresh where actually we see a bit of a culture change around that. We've talked about uh, on the morning sports briefing, there was talk of a company uh, of, of a investment company from the States. And I've gone blank as to what they were called now buying into or actually buying a, a percentage of New Zealand rugby and investing in New Zealand rugby. Now that's a very different um also a culture change for what has been a very traditional organization to be a much more forward, a much more dynamic organization. 
maybe we're going to see that that we are maybe we maybe this has been a big shakeup in the culture of the of the uh, of, of the organization um for that i i mean am i do you think am i am i am i being too optimistic from that or or or, or what are your thoughts Stephen? interestingly enough let's let's make no bones about it the new zealand rugby union were in they were in trouble before COVID turned up and the McKinsey report suggested it. So I think somewhere along the line there were there were going to be some changes. Silver Lake, Silver Lake too is, a, is the big investment company as well. Thank you for that, Shalia. Um, they were they were in trouble before all all of this happened, and I think before COVID came around, I think they probably looked as looked at as opposed to their staff, they were probably looking at. An, Somewhere else where they could cut, uh, trim the fat, and they were looking pretty much at the at the community game, might attend cup. They thought, well, okay, if we can push this to one side, you know, that can probably keep us ticking along for a while. But you know, even someone, somebody like the New Zealand Rugby Union, if you're a uh, look, I've I've heard of really big companies who who can make close to a billion a billion dollars a year, and and for crying out loud, that's that's what I call a war chest. I know people talk about the, the New Zealand Rugby Union having that war chest of ninety million dollars, but when that's your that's when your that's that's your staff wages, that's to me that's not a not a war chest. So they were they were in trouble. So you make a lot of sense, Paul. Yeah, there's going to be some human costs. Um, my real issue is with the, the previous administration. How did they let it get to this? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of. Uh, so yes, but, but when we're talking about um, previous administration, we're talking Steve Chew, aren't we? Um, actually, I probably should quickly Google um, Stephen. Can you quickly Google and see how long he um, he was in charge for? Uh, would be <laughs> would be kind of handy. Um, oh. But um, yeah, we say yeah, asleep at the wheel for for that. Like, and yet, Steve Chew is somebody who was, let's suppose, the image of him in public was that he did a very good job around the finances of New Zealand Rugby and the All Blacks. And yet, when we look at it post. It doesn't look that way. Um, John, from your point of view, um, the you, 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 I, you sent me an interesting article around um, the lack of diversity and the lack of change, actually, um, before this. So uh, am, I, am I being over, uh, too, too overly optimistic on that, on that culture change, or, or what do you think? Um. My concern is that you might be a little too optimistic because, let's be honest, you, and you were 100% right, the people that are going to be losing their jobs. Uh, thank you, Simon. I can see there that Steve Chu was in office from 2003 to 2019, so 16 years there. So the people who were employed and are now losing their jobs, they didn't employ themselves. They didn't set the strategy to that uh, that caused their position to be created, right? So the thing that concerns me is that we, they're talking about cutting half the jobs, but how much change is happening at board level? The people who made the decisions or green-lighted the decisions that got the administration to this point. And having done a panel discussion with, um, and I'm, I'm not going to mention a name here, but having done a panel discussion uh, with somebody very, very, very high up at New Zealand Rugby, um, who prior to us going up on stage and being interviewed and discussing hard topics, said to me, ask me anything. I'm ready. We, I'm open. We can do it. The first time I asked him something controversial, right, he attacked me like how, how how could I possibly ask him such a thing and we were in front of, of a group of very very smart investment people who came to me afterwards and astutely said he never answered your question right so uh, there is a an environment and a culture that is is at the absolute top of the board and if those people are not changing why do we expect that the rest of the organization will change? Yeah, true. And and so just so some of you might uh, um I know who John's talking about because I've heard the story several times, and that person is still involved with New Zealand rugby. Um 
unnecessary. You could have just said, I've heard the story. I, you sound like quickly... my ex-wife. I've heard it several times. <laughs> <laughs> I can quick, I can I can quickly go through the our board members. The chair is actually uh, Brent Impey, and he's been on the board since 2012. Uh, Richard Della Barker, he was appointed to the board in 2015. Stuart Mitchell appointed to the board in uh, 2012 through 2014. Farrah Palmer, of course, and she's probably just really a, a recent inductee to the board. Sir Michael Jones, who was elected to the board in 2018. Uh, Sean Nixon. Uh, elected to the board in 2019, so um, so there you go. A lot of these guys, also Bill Osborne, is on is on the books and Max Spence. But a lot of these guys have only been basically elected to the board. You've got to say, uh, Bar Brendanby in in recent time, fellas. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I think the thing that concerns me is how many people have been on that board for more than let's say three years. So anybody who's been on the board from 2016 backwards, that's what con that's what would concern me. And how many of those people are not just on the board, but they are in senior positions on the board? So, so yeah, because one of your points there, John. So whilst um, Steve uh, um, Simon says that um, Steve Chew's been there since 2003, he has, but he only took over in 2007. Um, and whilst you'll say a lot of those board members, oh, they've only been there since however long, what were they doing before that? How much were they part of it before that? Yeah. Um, so, yes, there is definitely an element of we need to have that renewal of, of pieces. So the article that John is talking about, sorry, that I'm talking about that John sent me um, was from um, RNZ. Um, and it talks about basically, let, let's, let's just um, see if we can see any common themes amongst this so captains under steve hansen um rich mccaw kieran reed sam kane ben smith sam whitelock luke whitelock um if we look at some um, ian foster um and a lot of he, whites at lock there um, well hang on, i was going to wait wait wait, 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 wait <laughs> ian foster put together his coaching team and again john plumtree brad mora scott mcleod Greg Feek, yeah, an awful lot of basically white uh, European guys. Now, to be fair to the board, at least we have got Farrah Palmer in there, Michael Jones. Um, That's correct. We've been trying to talk to for uh, the, um, the, and it was good. Did a good interview on another podcast I listened to recently. Who's got involved with New Zealand rugby is um, Ronnie Clark. Very, very, very slowly. We're seeing a, a some sort of Pacifica, some sort of women, some sort of Maori um, kind of a representation at this level. But it really has only happened in the last two, three years. Um, and it hasn't filtered down yet into the way that the coaches think. Um, as we can see, all white captains, all white coaching staff. Um, that's definitely the way that it's kind of um, uh, kind of gone recently. Gone, go Stephen? Paul, one one thing that I've always uh, uh, taken on board is the, the the amount of power that uh, All Black coach Steve Henson has been able to to wield uh, almost over the CEO in recent times. Yeah. If you if you pretty much think about it, whatever yeah. Steve Henson wants, Steve yeah. Henson gets, and it's pretty much at yeah. at any cost. And interestingly enough, I I've just had a quick look through these boards members to see any, if there was anybody from a, a banking background and interestingly enough Richard uh, Della Barker his um, time offshore 12 years with ex Kiwi Expect Association Kia prior to this Richard was an investment banker working in both New Zealand and Australia in mergers acquisitions and equity capital markets so you know it's not as if they've they've got some pretty bright people on the board but I once again I come back to Who's running who? Because I, I, I would suggest to you there was a lot of power wielded by the by the All Black coach. And sometimes when you're winning, everything seems to be just rosy. Mm -hmm. It's not un, it's not until the the, the, the the house of cards fall over that then you actually lose. Then all of a sudden, you know mm. what your 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 equity starts to fall and uh, mm. questions are asked. Well, then, and also if we um, go there is also who chose. Uh, Ian Foster to be the next coach. One of the people who was part of that was Ted. Um, mm -hmm. So um, who 
apparently, uh, uh, if you listen uh, to uh, Rose Robertson, got absolutely grilled by um, by Graham Henry uh, in his interview. Now, mm-hmm. um, so yes, part of that, um, Steve Hansen, Graham Henry, two guys obviously did a lot of coaching together, a lot of time together. Um, you got to say those. Uh, so even though Graham Henry isn't coaching anymore, whenever there's any kind of uh, kind of selection committee put together, um, he seems to get put on there. I wouldn't be surprised if going forward we see Steve Hansen getting put onto those as well. Uh, and you just say, yeah, the power behind the throne um, in those uh, maybe a couple of those guys who that everyone else is just scared to say no to, um, and uh, which which is not a good situation. Um, uh, to, to 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 kind of be in. What concerns me is how many. It's a little bit better now because Sir Michael Jones, who is such a respected figure in New Zealand, as is Farah Palmer, are involved on the board level. But if you were to take them out, how many rugby people were on that board? I'm a firm. I'm an absolute believer when it comes to administering sports that the first priority should be the safety of the people who play that sport and the spectators, and the second priority should be the game itself. Right? It's sure, not I, money. I, 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 I but would count that one by looking at some. Look at what a but mess. Then, hang on, I'll, just yeah. I'll come back. I'll, I can do it. Um, look at what a mess something like the players or the ex-captains in Australia are making of things who um yeah and I, I'm no no hang on hang on a second it's a proviso it's a proviso right yeah. it's a proviso that somebody who comes onto the board also has some business experience leadership experience all of that kind of thing right so um and I you know I hesitate to say this because it may seem that I keep on harking back to uh, South Africa's problems, but one of the glaring points that stood out in South African rugby over the last 25 years is how great leaders in rugby, who then went on to become great leaders in business, stayed away from rugby administration. They didn't want anything to do with it. And I firmly believe that we've got great leaders in New Zealand who are also successful in business who could be on that board rather than people who don't know the game, right? Because the important thing is if you, if you grow the game, if the game becomes stronger, if the game becomes better, if engagement by people in a game that they love increases, then most times the finances are in a better position. Yes, we, you need fiscal discipline. Yes, you need to track accounts. Yes, you need to make wise decisions around cash flow, right? Um, great great lesson. Turnover is vanity. Uh, profit is sanity. Cash flow is reality, right? So these are all important things in business that are, are, are got to be kept fr- uh, in, in focus, but they're not at the detriment of the sport itself. Make the game better and a lot of things. Uh, Stephen, what, do you agree? I, I think so. There's something playing out in my mind, and, and Paul sort of alluded to it late, um, just recently, where he mentioned, in in terms of dealing with the New Zealand Rugby Union in and around the media, they're, they're very difficult. They're very protective. Um, I'm going to share a story. I um, run into an ex-All Black quite a bit. I won't mention his name, but they did an item on uh, on the network news a few weeks back where they were basically delivering delivering uh, food parcels out in the community in South Auckland. Now, apparently the amount of red tape that he had to go through to to basically um, do that particular exercise was just was quite unbelievable. And they were pretty much told not to come comment about rugby getting up and running again. They were told not to comment about, um, about the uh, world voting election in and around Bill Bowman, so it gives you gives you a, a bit of an idea of what the rugby union, what what's basically coming out of this conversation. Even more than numbers, is that sense of arrogance, entitlement, the fact that uh, every when you're winning, you're totally up in the cloud about how things are 
are, are tracking and you you think to yourself well we need to we need to hire a person who who's an assistant to this particular person to this to this to this particular job so all of a sudden that expenditure that we talk about has actually totally got out of hand and you talk about the the levels of engagement all of a sudden you're in trouble you know what you don't look at yourselves first of all i i personally think what's coming out of our conversation tonight is is uh, there's a real to me there's a real culture issue that flows throughout the offices of the new zealand rugby union and unfortunately it started with the previous administration and i sense there's still a few of those people within within the union and quite frankly they need to go and i think the likes of mark robinson needs to stamp his own his, his own mark right here right now and unfortunately it's as paul previously said first of all it's gonna it, there's gonna be a big human cost but i i hope in terms of rebuilding they don't forget what this is this is all about mm. Uh, Stephen, I don't want to lose what Paul said. Do you feel, when it comes to leadership, uh, at the let's say at the coaching level at in the All Blacks, as well as the leadership of the All Blacks itself, as a, a, a person of Maori descent yourself, do you feel that there is enough representation of either Maori or Pacifica background in the leadership? Oh, listen, I, I've heard a few horror stories. I know, I know. With the the agreement with AIG, I think originally they were supposed to get three games, three games a year, but that may have been whittled down to to just the just the two the two games a year. I know, you know, Maori rugby. You know, it probably gets uh, probably it's almost like tokenism, in in my opinion, because uh, there's so many good young Maori players around New Zealand that, that could be promoted a, a lot better. But, you know, let's let's keep also keep Māori rug, rugby uh, to the forefront as well. I don't know. Like, like I say, it depends on this leadership moving forward, being a little bit more open-minded and listening to the stakeholders is, is a real important one to me. Um, boys, I don't know if, you're re if we're ready to move on from the numbers um, and to talk about something, but I, I, I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna finish on one positive Around this, around the numbers. Listening to what was supposed to be part of that McKenzie discussion was a reduction and a realignment of of, of, of provincial rugby. Looking at where the cost cutting appears to be now, um, mm. predominantly around the, the the central budget. Hopefully, mm. there's been a realization of the strength um, or and the the importance of provincial and and club rugby to the population that and actually hopefully that that uh, they don't follow the sort follows necessarily all the all the the cost cutting at uh, provincial level that mckenzie i think had in their report so hopefully what we're seeing is actually that the unions provincial unions are being kept relatively ring fenced um i do believe there's going to be some some uh, some cost cutting there but it, hopefully it's being being done more central so Can i ask just one just one last statement all right I personally, my opinion, that a ninety odd million dollar war chest for a for a company that turns over what was their turnover? A billion? No, no, no. Their income was one hundred eighty seven million. Okay, so if you have as a war chest uh, one one half of your yearly income as a as a company, that's a very healthy ratio, right? And there is equal they've dropped in the from last year to this year they dropped by five percent so 89 to 86 that's three million dollar drop over 90 million that's five percent that's oh, not yes. that's not that's not that's not bad right and so to have a war chest of around about 50 percent of your yearly income that's that's quite a positive right uh, I wouldn't be happy to see a higher figure than that because then that would mean you are not taking the money that you're getting in and you're not set, sending it out because this is not a for-profit organization. You're not paying shareholders, right? So the money, if you keep on hoarding it, you're actually not spending it to grow the game. So in my opinion, what what you see in that figure, that I think that's quite healthy. Yep, understood. Yep, good point. Um, now... The and 
if you talk to a financial, a financial advisor, he'd suggest you have three to six months worth of uh, cash savings for, for issues uh, from a personal level. And yeah, similar thing here for, mm. um, for professional uh, company as well. Three to six months worth of cash savings to keep you going uh, for, mm. for, 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 for the rainy days um, mm. is, is, is big. Is 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 it? Pardon me. Is a good number. Um, so moving on then. Uh, rugby's coming back, guys. That's going to be a good thing, right? Let's, let's, yes. <laughs> we're only. We have our first game of rugby is going to be on the was it thirteenth? I think it is or twelfth? Is that Saturday or Sunday? So yeah, thirteenth of June. <coughs> um, and Neymar and Scudder might be playing in that game. Awesome. And that's got uh, somewhat I wasn't expecting to see play on these shores. Again, personally, mm -hmm. did, did he um, not have an injury? Did he not have an injury of, of, of some sort, Paul, and has been out of the game for a while? Yes, he has. I mean, let's say he hasn't really played since the 2015 Rugby World Cup, has he? Mm -hmm. In all honesty, no. um, he's had pretty much four years of one injury or another. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so he has spent a long time out. Um, shoulders, uh, with that. Shoulders. Oh, shoulders, okay. Well, he, well, Shoulder, I mean, shoulders are a terrible. If if you, they can be a terrible issue. Shoulders, because unlike um, knees, for instance, which the medical fraternity have really in, gone leaps and bounds in treating knees. Shoulders is the most mobile joint in your body. It's the only one that goes through 180 degrees, um, and in rugby, it's also the one that takes contact. So yeah, he's had multiple shoulder issues. And he is a player I would pay money to to watch. Oh, great! He's a, he's a great player. It's, it's it's interesting that he's going to be probably joining a team that are probably glad that the season stopped or ceased when it did because they uh, they weren't travelling the best. So the great thing about it, they can the Highlanders can go away and reload. So we'll see how they uh, get up and and running in in this particular competition. Yeah, I guess the problem for the Highlanders is that they've not had they've not. They've, they've all been kept apart from each other. They've not, they've not been able to spend this time actually getting used to playing with each other and training with each other. So, uh, yeah, with um, what have we got? We've got uh, four weekends um, of with, with, with training starting back on Thursday, and with four weekends before the rugby starts. That's a, that's a pretty that, that, that's a very short preseason for mm -hmm. them to uh, to improve that uh, connectivity that. Um, I was talking with 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 that interview last week with Simon from Gayline Analytics. Um, I still think they're going to struggle. Uh, to my I'm mind, I'm getting ready. You're getting, I'm getting ready. ready. <laughs> I'm getting ready. I'm getting yeah. ready. I'm so, doing yes, my. I'm doing my puff spin. Rugby's the, coming back. Highlanders Chiefs, I think, the opening the opening game, followed by Blues versus the Hurricanes. Bowden Barrett's facing his old team that's got it that's i if you if you're gonna mm. if you're gonna set up the draw to have a to to, to have an opening game that everyone's going to want to that, that's going to get a lot of attention mm. that's got that that one has got uh that that that, that one's been been scheduled by a marketing man hasn't it mm. it's it's and it's probably the longest wait we've, that we've ever had for a player to debut for a franchise as well so he'll be He'll be jumping out of his skin, and let's not forget the last two, the last time that these two teams actually met. It was very controversial. There was a uh, there was a few cards handed out, if I recall. Mm. Um, one of the one of the Canes players received a, a red card. That's a that's a good test for you. Maybe somebody in the chat room can help us out there. I think the Hurricanes may have ended up with with thirteen players, and they actually did quite well on the night. But it was the Blues that. That uh, took out the uh, the chocolate set particular night, but uh, I suppose the only frustrating thing about it, we're going to be watching a, a game of rugby, supposedly maybe at Eden Park. Where's this going to be played, Paul? Well, let's be honest. Um, we're all going to be um, watching it at home on our sofas anyway, so so it doesn't really matter where they play. To be honest, mm. Um, mm. we get to um, so so yeah. So I'm, I'm I, uh, so so, but you're right. They, the the Auckland and the um, gone blank the uh, um, the cru the uh, Crusaders so yeah Blues and Crusaders their home uh, Christchurch I guess what I'm looking for um, those venues have yet to be confirmed mm -hmm. what we, what we should do though is have a quick reminder as to how the table finished 
Um, now, obviously, yes, let's do that. Count. Let's do that. Who was at the top there, Paul? The Crusaders that were top, having played six games on 23 points. No, I mean the very top of the whole table. No, we're only talking New Zealand. Uh, no, but, but I think it's only right that you talk about who was at the top of the very fine. top of the top of the top. The whole table. But that's oh, the sure. level four okay. lockdown. Um, they're not likely to play again this year. So It's not, it's not, not often that I get to say my team is world champions. And, they to and my team is top of the Super Rugby table. I just got to take that opportunity when it comes every 12 years or whatever it is, right? Yeah, and I've just got to remove him from the from the broadcast because we hear this yeah, every single week. I'm saving you all, folks. I'm saving you all. Okay, I'll bring him back when, he, when he's behaving. There we go. Um, so, of the eight row of Super Rugby, the way the New Zealand Conference finished, we had the Crusaders top are having played six games on 23 points. The Blues, second on 22 points, mm. having played an extra game. So they played seven games. Mm. The Chiefs played six games, um, were on 19 points. Mm. Two points back then, the Hurricanes having played six games again, 17 points. And the Highlanders having played six games on seven points. So mm. the top four there, all looking pretty competitive, uh, with the Highlanders basically having a tough time of it with just the one win in their opening six games, plus one draw uh, against the Haguares. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I'd, the Chiefs and the Crusaders were the two that really had looked good um, previously, hadn't they? So I, 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 this isn't going to be a cakewalk for the for the Crusaders, I don't think. Okay, let's say this. If you put a week's salary yep. on one of these teams to to win it all, who would it be? So you want me to put my wins payment down on um, on one of these one of these teams? Uh, so I'll put my wins payment. <laughs> on, um, on the <laughs> okay, let's pretend we have a week's salary that we can put down. Let's pretend you're still working that two hundred G's a, a a year consulting job on contract or whatever it was that you were doing. And you put a week. So who are you who are you putting down, Stephen? Don't vote with your heart. Vote with your head. Oh, of course. Um, no, the no. Crusaders. The Crusaders. <laughs> no, I never thought your head was as soft as your heart, mate. No, no. If, if I, they they were travelling really well, and I think the the break. I know the Chiefs. They showed a couple of frailties here and there, but I I just suspect with the break, any players that they had out injured could be back, so it'll be a plus for the Chiefs. I think it'll probably be between the Chiefs and the Crusaders. But, you know, common sense tells you the Crusaders. They, okay. they, to me, they, they look like they've got the best all-round all team. I'd have to check on the status of uh, David Havili. Are we going to see him back this year? Um, probably not, but they've, they've got they've got cover back there, haven't they? Let's be honest. Yeah, um, but, he, but he was good. He was very good. In the first part, uh, first part of the season, but I'm saying that they've got some really good cover. They've got that very good uh, fullback from uh, Jordan, Will Jordan, I think it is from uh, from Tasman. So yeah, they've they've got some good Michael. cover. No, no it's uh, Michael. You've, you've been watching too much Last Dance. Um, <laughs> what about you, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Look, come on. Uh, it's, uh, again, it's going to be between the the Crusaders and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have got Warren Gatlin there, who knows how to deliver. Um, he's done it before, uh, and I think part of the reason they got those two losses was was rotation to make sure they had all the players all the way through. Um, so I've got to say that yes, that uh, but but you've got to say look, the Crusaders have been there, done it for the past three years. That's where the safe money is. But I think I think the Chiefs are in the shout. Mm. Um, the other really positive news, which was hidden at the bottom of the articles, uh, and you you had to go hunting for it, was around the Mighty Ten Cup. So. The Meister 10 Cup is going to be a full season. That's right, folks. All 10 rounds during the regular season and also the semifinals and finals. So the normal 12-week season is going to happen for the Meister 10 Cup, which is fantastic news. Um, that kicks off um, on the weekend or uh, on the 11th of September. So that kicks off on a Friday night. So it looks like they're going to be playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Maybe not the Thursday games we've had previously. Um, because they, it's uh, they, they've mentioned the Friday kickoff. Um, 
with the finals being on the weekend of the 28th of November. So basically, they'll wrap up the season just before, well, by, by the end of November, um, meaning your off-season is going to be in December. So slightly later than, the, well, about a month later than normal. But um, but considering all of the disruptions we've had, that's not a that's um, that's a that's a pretty good result uh, for provincial for, for the for the uh, Maya Ten Cup, isn't it, some guys? Oh, it, it'll be excellent. Well, for a couple of reasons. For a moment, for a while there, I thought we were going to be wrapping up our Christmas presents on the twenty fourth as we're watching the finals. But fortunately, they will wrap up a good month or a month or so earlier. But the great thing about it, uh, when does daylight saving normally kick in? Round about the first week of October, let's. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully the, the weather will have will have at least you know two two months of of great weather. So it'll be interesting to also see the the timing as well. Hopefully it's it's quite a while away, so we'll be back to hopefully somewhere near level one, or maybe in a situation where we can can all collectively go back and and watch rugby. And it'll be actually be a really great great time to go and watch some rugby. And and it'll it'll line up with the northern hemisphere as well, guys. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I dropped the ball there. I was, I was so shocked. I was so shocked that the, the thought of a of an of an international aligned rugby season, and I, I I'm like just it. like, oh, what did, oh, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> oh dear. So yes, some positive news to finish on there, folks. Um, now look, uh, yeah, if you're interested in provincial rugby, then look, we've had talks with. Um, we had a couple of talk, well, talks with people from Northland, uh, um, Bay of Plenty, Tasman, Southland. They're all on the long talk. I've got one coming up with North with North Harbour. Got a couple more coming up with Northland as well. So do um, like the page subscri- um, or subscribe on your, to the podcast, uh, New Zealand Sports Radio, either iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, what's the other one, Spotify, or all your favourite podcatchers. Don't miss those. Um, the other thing that we will be doing uh, is Shane will be joining me at 8 p.m. on fr- every Friday um, from the, to, to do a Super Rugby preview show. Um, so we'll be previewing all the Super Rugby games now. Clearly, that's just going to be the New Zealand ones to kick off with. Um, but in July, when the Australian Super Rugby comes back as well, we'll be, we'll be previewing those games as well. Um, and also, we'll be having a Super Rugby review show for every single round haven't sort of figured out yet who is going to haven't uh, booked in yet who's going to be um, hosting and uh, uh, co-hosting and being part of that show. But we'll also have a Super Rugby review show um, for every round of Super Rugby as well. So mm. don't forget to um, to do all that. Um, I, um, Simon Hughes, um, I don't think we will have developed a vaccine before my 10 cup. <laughs> I do think we'll be at level one um, with our borders closed uh, and hopefully with us being able to go to the games. If we do, um, then you're going to be seeing. Uh, I'll, um, we'll be trying to get round to as many of the provinces as possible. Um, so last year we went to Bay of, we went to as um, 23 games across Bay of Plenty, um, Bay of Plenty, Waikato, Counties Manukau, Auckland, North Harbour, and Northland. Um, maybe we'll be able to get across a few more um, this season um, as well. So that'll be that'll be fantastic if we can. Stephen Harris, thank you very much for joining me, sir. John O'Connor, thank you very much for joining me as well. Um, It has been a pleasure as always. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to join us at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning for the morning sports briefing. That's the last time we'll be at 8 a.m. because when we get to level two, we're going to move it earlier um, to 7 a.m. so that you can listen to to it on your commute as a podcast. So don't forget um, to subscribe to that podcast to start your day the best way up to date with the important sports news. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.